0: Welcome to the Academy Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing rich content for the purpose of spiritual growth. I'm your host, Claire McKeever Burgett, and I serve as the Associate Director of the Academy for Spiritual Formation, an international ministry of the upper room. The Academy creates transformative space for people to connect with God, self, others, and creation for the sake of the world. In this month's podcast, I talk with Victor Perez via Zoom about all things Bilingual Spanish and English Academy 42, which is scheduled to begin in August 2020 in San Antonio, Texas, breathing deeply in the midst of a global pandemic, spiritual practice, prayer, family, Puerto Rico, and more. Because we're finding new ways to connect and listen and converse with one another in the midst of this global pandemic, Note that the sound quality of our conversation may not be what you're used to hearing. However, I think that Zoom did a pretty good job capturing the wisdom, love, and flow of our conversation, and I am grateful. Be on the lookout for more conversations with Academy leaders and faculty in the days and weeks ahead. Victor is a native of San Juan, Puerto Rico, and an ordained minister of the Methodist Church there. Victor served as a local pastor on the island for eight years, and in 1987, he moved to Nashville, Tennessee with his family to work with the General Board of Discipleship of the United Methodist Church, where he served as Associate General Secretary of that board. In 1999, he returned to Puerto Rico and remained there for five years, serving at the Evangelical Seminary of Puerto Rico as Professor for Church Administration and Leadership and as Director of Continued Education. In 2004, Victor returned to Nashville to serve as the International Spiritual Director for the Walk to Emmaus and Chrysalis, both program ministries of the Upper Room. He retired in 2011 from his position, but remained connected to the Emmaus ministries as regional leader for Latin America and the Caribbean until 2017. Victor currently serves on leadership teams for the Academy for Spiritual Formation and first attended a two-year academy in 2004. Victor has been married for 49 years to Sarai e. Rosa Gutierrez, and between them they have three adult daughters, Sarah Beatrice, Ruth Noemi, and Raquel Eunice, and three grandchildren, Dale, Aiden, and Desmond. Victor and his entire family reside in Nashville. What follows is a conversation about what it is to be human and searching for true connection in these uncertain times. Listen on, beloveds and enjoy. Victor, welcome to the Academy Podcast. We're so very glad that you're here with us today, joining us from your home, and I'm here in mine, and uh, I just like to say it's pretty informal because, you know, these are some weird days and times, and we might hear my children in the background, hopefully not, but um, I think they're both supposed to be sleeping right now, but um, yeah, um, just really grateful that you would join us today and and spend some time. Um, I'd love to open us just hearing a translation uh, of Psalm 23 from Mm -hmm. Nan Merrill uh, Mm -hmm. in her Psalms for Praying. So I'll just open us uh, with that and give us a little space and then kind of get into our conversation together.
1: Good.
0: Oh, my beloved, you are our shepherd. We shall not want. Mm-hmm. You bring us to green pastures for rest and lead us beside still waters, renewing our spirits. You restore our souls. You in the path of goodness to follow love's way. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow and of death, we will not fear. For you are ever with us. Your rod and your staff, they guide us, they give us strength and comfort. You prepare a table before us in the presence of all of our fears. You bless us with oil, our cups overflow. Mm -hmm. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the heart of the beloved forever. Amen. Amen. Again, welcome. And of course, today I wanna talk about bilingual two-year academy that's coming up. Um, I'm scheduled to start in August. You're on that leadership team. I wanna talk about how it is for you right now in this sort of social distancing, staying at home time. Um, want to talk about all kinds of things, but first I want to hear about you. Who are you? Where are you from? Um, just tell us more about that. What is what's the spiritual landscape uh, of your life? Uh, you can tell us what it smells like, what it looks like. You know, however you want to answer that.
1: Well, thank you, Claire, for having me. And I just want to also say that even though we have no children here, but I have a little dog that. It might bark at any moment, and we might hear that. So, but this is an Wonderful. important conversation, so I just wanted yes. to make them aware of that.
0: Wonderful. Well,
1: well, I was born in Puerto Rico and born and raised there. was the last of five siblings uh, from two hardworking Christian parents who were faithful members of a Methodist church in San Juan. Having been born in the island, I love the sound of the ocean, walking barefoot on the beach, enjoying the sea breeze. I also enjoy hiking in the mountains, watching the birds and enjoying nature. I think that I am a nature lover. Mm -hmm. In regard to my faith, I consider myself blessed. Having lived a long life, I will be 75 in August. Having lived a long life, I have encountered many challenges. But with each challenge, I have experienced opportunities for growth and development. Through my life, I have learned that to trust, I have learned to trust God at every step of my journey. It has not been easy, but knowing that God is with us and trusting in His loving, arms and guidance and love for us we my wife and i both have been able to move forward trying to be faithful to god's calling on us so at this point in my life i think i could say that yeah i can rest and smell the roses Mm. and i can sit on my terrace and enjoy the birds singing and our garden blooming it's blooming and it's looking very nice so I can say that it is well with my soul. Mm. That's what I would say at this point in my life.
0: Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks Mm -hmm. for sharing that. So tell us more about Puerto Rico and growing up there. And of course, I want to just remind listeners, uh, you and I were talking about this before we kind of got started, but um, Spanish is your first language. And so you're doing me... A great uh, service and gift today and all of us um, who are primarily English speakers by doing this interview in English. So thank you. <laughs> very, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, I was saying, you know, it's on my on my goal list to learn Spanish one of these days. But yeah, thanks so much uh, for talking with us um, in English today. Um, but yeah, what What was it like uh, growing up in Puerto Rico? And and what's the landscape of faith there? What's the church like there? Uh, What more can you tell us about that?
1: Well, I would say that uh, the majority of people in Puerto Rico, if you ask them, they will tell you that they are Christians. In fact, according to latest statistics, 55% are considered themselves Roman Catholic, and 45% are considered Protestant there are many different uh, Protestant churches in the island. The Methodist church in itself has been in the island for over a hundred years. And I would say that the island is 100 by 35 miles. Uh, so it's not a big island, but uh, within the whole island, you would find around 100 Methodist churches. Uh, in terms of our faith, well, You need to know first who we are. Puerto Ricans are very passionate people, warm, friendly. We are loud, (laughs) but we are very family-oriented. We're Caribbean people. So worship in our churches is very much alive. Uh, Lots of singing, lots of prayer, uh, worship bands, uh, choirs, but everything with a lot of flavor. Both my wife and I still have family there, so we try to go at least once a year to check on them and to enjoy the island, to enjoy its people. I mean, being among our people, it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. uh, to enjoy the food, uh, to speak a lot of Spanish. <laughs> um, what, what's your
0: favorite?
1: What's uh, yeah. your favorite?
0: Um, what's your favorite meal? What's What's the food? Oh, Tell me about that. Well,
1: no, there is a lot of excellent meals over there and so we will go one of the things that we try to do is uh, to go to the beach because there are a lot of little stores that they sell you I mean it's not it's not healthy food because it's fried food but anyway um. <laughs> <laughs> it's yum yes. so we'll go there and eat a lot of the things that they had but also we like to go to one of our ninth restaurants and eat a really Puerto Rican dish, you know, like uh, arroz con pollo, which is uh, rice with chicken, the beans, you know, the red beans, uh, los tostones, which are the plantains, you know, mm-hmm. or the maduros, which are the dried plantains. So a lot of things that we grew up with and we enjoy. And so we like to do that and enjoy that. So whenever we have the opportunity, we we go there and we enjoy, being, especially with family. Mm-hmm. However, as you as you know, uh, for the last few years, Puerto Ricans have endured challenging times. Yeah. First with Hurricane Maria, that left a lot of destruction in the island, physical, emotional, spiritual chaos. For months, many people had to go about without power, without water limited amount of food, blue tarps for a roof over their heads, no infrastructure, no communication, total isolation from the rest of the world, feeling totally helpless. Help came little by little. Many left the island and came to live in the States with relatives or friends that they had. Many persons died. Many businesses closed, lots of unemployed people, but by God's grace, and with the help of many people, and with their faith in God, with the courage that characterizes them as a people, they got up and they rebuilt. There are still areas where if you go, you can see the scars of the damage, mm. but life continues and people are resilient, so they move forward. And then as we know, this year came the earthquakes right. in the southwest part of the island. For months, the Earth has been shaking, because it's still shaking. We received wow. a letter yesterday from a friend of ours that he lives in Ponce, and he tells me that every day you will feel two or three tremors, very uh, low in the, in the richer scale. I mean, you can sometimes you don't perceive it but sometimes you, you feel it, that the ground is shaking. So they have been living, this is what? Almost April, and they're, they've been living all those three months, right. you know? Learning to live with that, because now, that is the reality, so. But anyway, in the same thing that happened with Maria, many people were displaced, a lot of damage in some of their properties in that part of the island. Some of them collapsed, many buildings collapsed. Mm -hmm. Again, business closed, people without job, without a place to live. People sleeping outside in tents, afraid that their homes were not safe. Once again, people were desperate, losing their hope. Many abandoned the island, like fleeing from a haunted place. They only had each other, and the help that came from the people that live in the northern part of the island on the eastern part of the island so i mean it, it's been real bad uh, wow. you...
0: victor how is your family through maria are... and through the earthquakes
1: thank you for asking my family lives in san juan which is in the northern part of the island okay all of them are in that area so in maria they didn't suffer a lot because they live in concrete houses and you know, so none, none of my family members that are still there, uh, I have a sister, I have a sister, we have nephews and nieces and you know, cousins and all that, none of them suffered major changes because they were not, they live in the part of the island that is in the north and the hurricane came through the south, toward the west so it crossed mm-hmm. the island and they were on the side that, even though they, they were without power, they were, you what I mean? But they didn't have that much problem. Uh, and in the, uh, again, in, during their earthquake, they live in the north. They don't live in the south. They have told me that they have felt, some of them, but not with the intensity that the people in the south has felt. You right.
0: Know.
1: Right. I, I just want to say that the churches has done an excellent job okay. of accompanying, uh, accompanying people uh, during these difficult times, helping them to rebuild. Neighbors helping neighbors, relatives helping relatives, and even strangers. But, you know, that's who's there. So everyone mm-hmm. has to be uh, It's pulling together yeah. for the good of everyone. Yeah. And now, uh, like the rest of the world, they are fighting against COVID-19. Right. 34 uh, cases now confirmed in the island. Okay. You know, they have been tried in many ways. The only thing that they have is their faith and each other Mm -hmm. because it's an island and when you live in an island, you're surrounded by by water so you don't have a lot of neighbors around you. (laughs) Right. You have to pull it yourself together and the people that are in the island. So I admire them. They are very resilient people. We are very resilient people. So thanks God that uh, we can even from far away still help them and be in contact with them.
0: Right. Right. So what brought you um to Nashville?
1: Tell us that um all those years ago yes. and Yes. Well I came to Nashville back in 1987 to work for what is for the General Board of Discipleship that is now known as discipleship ministries. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Let me tell you how the how God works. My wife uh, has has been experiencing skin cancer in the island. And when I took her to the doctor for the second or third time that she had the problems of the cancer in her skin, uh, the doctor told her, you need to take her out of the island. The sun over here is, is is too too bad for her. You need to take her north, like Canada or what you know or Europe or whatever say well i'm sorry right. but I don't, have, I don't have any any way to to go and pull on my children and my, my three daughters and her and just go. The, right. the, the only thing I could do probably is to ask for a transfer in the Methodist Church and go to the United States you know. Uh, right. being, being U.S. citizens, we can do that, and you know. So he told me, "Well, but you need to take her as as far north as you can, because uh, this will continue to happen." So that's what started. We started praying about it, and the opportunity came, and they invited me to come to work for the General Board of Discipleship, and so I did. In 1987, okay. I came to work for the Board of Discipleship.
0: So is that how you discovered the academy?
1: Well, be, being part of the upper room, yeah. uh, I, I learned about all the spiritual, spiritual formation programs you
0: know, mm-hmm.
1: that, the, that the upper room would offer. And uh, that's the way I learned at the academy. But it's not the way I experienced my academy. It was a whole, it's a, it's a different way that I did that because yeah. what happened,
0: Tell us about that, yeah.
1: What happened was that I I was in Nashville from 1987 to 1999. And then they asked me to go back to Puerto Rico to teach at the seminary where I graduated from. I have completed my doctoral program here in the United States, and I just wanted to give me the opportunity of teaching. I love teaching. So the opportunity came for me to go back to the island So my wife and I went by ourselves, the girls stay here because they were already grown grown up adults and they have their own lives. So we went back to the island uh, in uh, in 1999 and stayed there for five years until 2004. So uh, in 2001, uh, Hector Ortiz, who's now the Bishop in Puerto Rico, But at that point, he was the chairperson of the board of four-day ministry. He wanted to have the academy coming to Puerto Rico, but because of a language difference. I mean, academy, as at that point, was always in English. But Hector Hector talked to Jerry Haas, who was the former director of the academy, Mm -hmm. and talked to him about the possibility of, how can we make this happen in Puerto Rico? So, because I knew Jerry already as, as a former staff member of the board. Right. And, and and Jerry has been to Puerto Rico a couple of times to lead retreats with the pastor. And he talked to them about the academy. So they were wanting to have this experience there, but they knew that there was a barrier the language. And we didn't have any two year graduate in the island. So how could we have the five day academy here? So Jerry Hash, has invited me to come to uh, the United States and have a five-day academy, experience the five-day academy. Uh So I went to Palestine, Texas in 2001 and have my first five-day academy. I went with uh, Dr. Juan Beck, who was at that point the dean of the seminary. He was my former New Testament professor. We were very good Uh friends. He was one of my mentors, <clears throat> so we both went. And I mean, him being a former Roman Catholic priest, he fell in love with it. He yeah. said, we really need this in Puerto Rico. We need to make it happen there. However, the major challenge that we saw, you know what it was? Silence. How oh. can you make Puerto Rican people to stay in silence? <laughs> right it so much
0: yeah what was that work? like <laughs> how'd you I handle
1: do, it oh that was a challenge but yeah. you know we, we we were intentional in telling people this is an opportunity for you to experience something that you don't know oh. something completely foreign to us yeah. as, as Caribbean people you know as people that live outside all the time I mean, right. we don't live inside, we live outside. So we are surrounded by noise. Yeah, See what I mean? Right. And so because we are surrounded by noise and there is so much noise, that's why we are so loud because we have to compete with all the noises that are around us. You know? Right. So we saw that as an opportunity and it worked. I mean, it, mm-hmm. people were wondering, how could I do that? You, you know, give yourself your time. Pray for the Holy Spirit to help you. Uh, experience silence and learn how much you could uh, hear God's voice in, in the silence. Yeah. So we, we, you know, we talked to the leaders in the Methodist Church, to the leaders in the seminary, and in 2002, we were able to offer our first five-day academy. Not having anyone in the island that were graduated from the two-year academy, Jerry helped us Uh, by identifying a couple of people in the United States that spoke Spanish and that were familiar with the people in Puerto Rico and who's been graduated from the academy. And they came, I think that there were two of them. Then the rest of us were local people. Uh, Juan Beck served as a a theologian, And then I served as a co-team leader because the team leader was someone with a 2 years experience. And then uh, we offered the first one. It was mm-hmm. interesting to see that in that first academy, if I remember correctly, we have uh, several of the seminary professors. They have never experienced anything like this, so they wanted to have that experience you know, mm-hmm. by themselves. Uh, we had several key leaders of the different denominations in Puerto Rico, including, naturally, the Methodist Church. So we had a... a a wonderful experience. People enjoy it, and then the, it was a, uh, a combined effort of uh, the Methodist Church of Puerto Rico, the Evangelical Seminary, and the Upper Room. Okay. Those were the three, the three units that put funds together, put you know uh, energy together, and to launch that first the Academy in San Juan in 2002. Then from there, we continue to offer it every year until now. They're still offering, and Marisol Diaz is yeah. usually the person that runs that with the team in Puerto Rico. And to this day, I mean, hmm. a couple of weeks ago, they finished their five day academy there.
0: Yeah.
1: So. Well, thank you. Then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that maybe it will be good to know that for you guys to know, for those that are listening and for, for you to know that as part of that effort, we have several people that came from the Florida annual conference to Puerto Rico to uh, Spanish speaking people to participate on those academies. And the, so they talked to, to uh, Jerry Haas and asked him, could we have the same thing here in, in, in Florida? So we put a, a team together and we did that in Florida. I led those. I was a team leader for two or three times, if I remember correct. In, uh, uh, and that was held at the Life Enrichment Center of the Methodist Church there in Florida. And I mean, we had good people, uh wonderful group of people going there and then they kept running it themselves. Yeah. You know? We prepared their leaders and they did it. That so.
0: So what's anyway. your, Victor, tell us, uh, what's your favorite thing about being a leader in the academy, about the academy work? You, you well, mentioned yeah. the, you know, the, the silence as an opportunity, I, but. I, know, I,
1: know. I, I, I would like to say that I'm amazed with the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the members of every academy community. I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't fail. I mean, the Holy Spirit is there all the time and it's wonderful to see the transformation experience by the participants and the team, as we build a sacred community, as we worship and learn together, as we support each other in our growth, it's humbling, it is really humbling. And it it amazes me, you know, uh, how we, as we worship in different ways, because for some people that comes to the academy, that's not the way they are used to worship, but in the academy, they learn, you know, a rhythm, they learn Mm -hmm. about prayer every day, uh, starting the day with prayer, ending the day with prayer as a bookends. They learn about Eucharist every day. They learn about, uh, uh, they listen to all these faculty that bring so much wisdom and share with them. And then they learn to be silent and reflect Mm -hmm. and start thinking about what does this mean to me? How is God talking to me at this point in my life? How can I open myself to receive what God wants to give me at this point in my journey? And then, you know, when, when time passes and if it during a two-year academy and then you, you see people that when they come to the first or second session, they almost, they don't speak. They're quiet. They, mm-hmm. you know. They, they feel like, oh my goodness, this is so awkward for me. But by the third or the fourth session, you see them talking to each other. You see them sharing from, you know, from their hearts. And by the end of the seven or eight session, you see them jumping and dancing. And, you know, mm, it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. I think that I can honestly say that I seen so many people on chain. Chains have been broken, you know, uh, chains of fears, of of, of prejudices, of of, mm. of you know. People came uh, depressed, and when they leave the two years, they are totally different, you know. Uh, so it, it's amazing to see the work that is done by the Holy Spirit, uh, and and that that simple, simple, uh, you could call it method or, you know, or or system in which five or six people in prayer and commit themselves to lead this group with uh, 16 faculty person that most of them we don't know, but we trust that uh, <clears throat> those that are picking them up, they know who they are, and then we trust the Holy Spirit and how everything falls into place. You know, session by session, session by session, yeah. you say, wow, yeah. this is wonderful. I mean, I'm sorry. About- I wish,
0: no, I wish people could see you right now. Um, I would just There is such um, passion and uh, fervor and um, enthusiasm and gusto. Uh, with the way that you're talking about this, and it's just putting a smile on my face, so I hope, I hope folks can hear that, of course, in your voice. Um, so since we're hanging out here talking about the Academy, I'd love to hear you say a little bit more about the upcoming Bilingual Academy, yeah, yeah. Um, that, you know, as I said kind of earlier, that it um, is scheduled to begin in August in San Antonio, mm-hmm. Bilingual being Spanish and English, you're on that leadership team as the Covenant group leader, um, so tell, uh, tell us who else you're serving on a team with and, um, and then just what's your hope and your prayer for that time and, and that community?
1: Sure. Sure. Well, first of all, I would like to say that Academy 42 would be an unique opportunity for people who would like to experience all the gifts of a two-year academy that mm-hmm. it offers, you know, all those gifts. Uh, but also the gift of being part of a multicultural, bilingual, vibrant community. Uh, The faculty has been carefully selected by the team to show not only their diversity in terms of knowledge in their subject matters and spirituality, but also in representing the multicultural community who they would be addressing. Uh, The team that has been selected is a wonderful bilingual team, I would say, Mm -hmm. who also represents the community we will be serving. I mean, we have Marisol Diaz, a Lutheran pastor from Puerto Rico, who will be our team leader. Ruben Ortiz, a Baptist pastor from Florida, will serve as a theologian. Judy Galloway, a very talented musician and deacon of the Texas area, will serve as our worship coordinator Lou Adame, a pastor from Texas, will serve as our hospitality coordinator, and I will be serving, as you, as you said, as a covenant group coordinator. You know, I'm, I'm so excited about the many opportunities that this academy will provide for participants, at least in my point of view. <laughs> they will be able to make new friends and engage in conversation with peers who are serving in other parts of the country, who come from a different cultural background, and who probably speak a different language. You know, that in itself is yeah. it's a wonderful opportunity for growth and, and development. Some will have the opportunity to practice, as you said earlier, the Spanish that they learn in high school, or the Spanish that they learn <laughs> or the Spanish that they learn while they were doing their missionary trip or visit to a Spanish speaking country uh, uh, of their choosing. English and Spanish will be the two languages that will be at all the time uh, spoken. Participants will also have the opportunity to hear from faculty members who will share about their own experiences having served in different countries. I mean, I'm so excited about the faculty that we are that is lined up for this academy. It's it's a wonderful group of faculty and it's it's a blessing. Now, why why English and Spanish and why bilingual? Well, I think that I would like to say that San Antonio, Texas is the place to be if yes. you want to experience a bilingual culture. I mean, that's there is yeah. nothing better than San Antonio, Texas, you know. Yeah. English and Spanish are spoken constantly, and those who live there are used to living in an environment that English and Spanish are constantly spoken. So the academy will give the participant an opportunity to experience living for eight weeks, for eight weeks in a bilingual and multicultural setting. You know, and you say, well, why that is important? I can speak for, for myself. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, we came here in 87. I've been living in Nashville for 33 years. My family and I came from Puerto Rico, so our three daughters uh, and my wife and I had to make a lot of learning and adaptation uh, through the years in order to survive here in the United States. Our experience is no different from many of other Hispanic families that have made the United States their home. However, I came here with a secure job uh, with the Methodist Church, Both my wife and I have higher education degrees. All of our family spoke English. Mm. And as every Puerto Rican, we are United citizens. So many people would think that it it shouldn't have been that difficult for us to come here. I mean, what's the problem, you know? (laughs) But I would like to say that, I'm sorry to say that that was not the case. Yeah. Many, many times we were made aware of people's prejudices, misconceptions, and even overt racism toward us just because we didn't speak English in the way they were expecting us right. to speak English. Hmm. Uh, or because we were not as educated as they were, because after all, we received our education in a Caribbean island. So, you know. How yeah. could you be mm. as educated as me mm. if I study in Harvard or this, see what I mean? Or, or, yeah. or whatever, you know, I mean, how could you compare to me? Mm. So, I mean, uh, people that were completely unaware, I don't want to say out of ignorance, but you know, yeah. but unaware of what Puerto Rico is. is mm. a, a territory of the United States and people who are born there, are U.S. citizens. That's right. so but many people yeah. maybe they know that so right. when you say i came from puerto rico what Where's that you know i mean it's it's amazing but that that's what we experience yeah that's what we experience we are very much aware that people from many latin american countries come have made united states of uh, their new home people who are part of our communities part of our parishes part of our congregation, even part of our own ministries. People who are struggling in so many ways as they try to survive away from their families, away from all that they know, their own cultures. But we need to be reminded that God has called us to serve them, to offer them hope in Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ, to support them in their struggles, To embrace them as our brothers and sisters in Christ. The Academy 42 will be the opportunity to practice that kind of love, to practice that kind of support. We give uh, those that are participating the opportunity to learn from each other and to learn how we all are members of the same family, how we all are children of the same loving Father. So, you know, in terms of multicultural, my family is multicultural. Two of my daughters are married to Anglo-Saxon guys, mm-hmm. one from Kentucky, one from Chicago. You know, <laughs> and, and when we meet together as a family, they share their upbringing, they share their culture yeah. with us as we share our culture with them. It, it's a blended family. We have three grandchildren, and we have made them very aware of who they are. They are bicultural, you know, and there's nothing that they can do about that.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) Your mom is from Puerto Rico, and your dad is from Kentucky, or your mom is from Puerto Rico, and your dad is from Chicago. So there's nothing that you can do about that. Right. But we are teaching them to be proud of their heritage, you know, Mm -hmm. both the Puerto Rican heritage and then the other heritage that goes back to Germany or goes back to Ireland, you know. Right. So they, are, they have a beautiful heritage, and we are teaching them and helping them to understand that there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, they need to learn to celebrate that mm. because we are a multicultural family as thousands of families here in the United States are becoming multicultural, Amen. you know. Yeah. Everywhere you go, <laughs>
0: Well, you're making me want to uh, attend Academy 42. <laughs> I'm like, I'm over here going, yes, amen, this is beautiful. So thank you. Thank you for that. And um, yes, we, you know, our first uh, bilingual academy was Academy 32, uh-huh. um, as you know, uh, in Florida. And then now this will be our the second one that we're offering. Right. And um, we do offer pretty much every, there's a balance between the I mean, we offer both, yes. um, you know, so it's not like you're gonna hear.
1: We will have simultaneous translation.
0: Right, you're not gonna hear like only in English or only, you know, it, it's, if the professor, the, the speaker, the faculty is offering in Spanish, then English speaking folks will listen to the translation of it and, and uh-huh. vice versa. So, uh-huh. um, so that's really lovely. And then of course, working with you and the team has been such a gift for me personally, because uh, of the the passion and the joy. And so I just thank you very much for that,
1: so. My pleasure, my pleasure. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I'd love to hear, I mean, we are in the midst of this global pandemic. Yes. 19 and, uh, you know, things are happening so rapidly with it. Changes, you know, of course, every hour and um, I, I pretty much just keep all of my candles lit (laughs) all the time. I mean, I really do because it's like the one way here at home, you know, I feel like I can just stay connected to spirit and, and to the prayers and uh, holding the folks who are really, really in the thick of it. Uh, But I'd love to hear you just reflect a little bit on uh, what is this global pandemic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. calling us uh, as people of faith as spiritual yes. leaders, um, how are we responding in wisdom and awareness and love, and um, how are you and yours faring at home, and yes, what, yes. Does that, what does that look like for you?
1: Well, well, what I would like to say is that this uh, pandemic, uh, coronavirus, uh, has taken all of us by surprise. Yeah. As, as a senior person myself with a high condition, I am considered very vulnerable. You know, I want to make myself aware of everything related to it so I can protect myself and protect my loved ones, you know. As any other senior citizen with a compromised health, I'm very concerned of what could happen to me or to my wife who have also compromised health. However, in times like this, we need to put our faith to work. Yeah. We need to claim the promises that we have learned since we were children. And we need to remind ourselves that our lives are in God's loving arms. Yeah. Yes, we need to follow the instructions given by the doctors and by the CDC professionals. because I mean, they are the professionals. They, they are the ones that can tell us what to do. But at the same time, we need to remind people of God's love for them and God's loving care for their lives. It's important that they hear that. I'm so proud, uh, Claire, of all the pastors who are helping us during this difficult time by using the technology
0: in so many beautiful
1: ways, you know. There are now so many online services uh, using the, the new technology not only churches, but the upper room is also offering every day at 11 o'clock, you know, a time for prayer that has yes. been very helpful to us. I'm sure that it's been helpful to many, many people that will tune in. You know, people need to have some hope in the midst of these dark times. And they need to hear that they are not alone. Yeah. I think that the body of Christ uh, is being called and to be supportive to each other, offering a hand to those that are afraid or doesn't know what might happen to them or to their loved ones. I mean, that that's what we are living now. There is a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. You know, people doesn't know what to do. And I think that this is a great opportunity for us to remind people that it's, it' it It's okay to go through that, but no, never lose track that you are not alone, God is with us, and He will support us even in these difficult times you know uh my family, for example it's uh, it's it's been meeting using the Zoom platform or yeah. the time you know we've been checking on each other uh, yeah. I myself. Every day call my sister in Florida and my brother to check on them. They're older than me, and both of them have, uh, you know, compromised health. Right. So I'm very concerned for them. But, only, but I'm too far away, so well, the only thing I could do is call them, talk to them, pray with them, you know, show them that it's okay, you know, we are in this together, the Lord will help us. And so I, I receive, every day we receive over here calls from either nephews or nieces, that are not here in Nashville and call us and to check on us, how are you guys doing? you know so it's beautiful to know that we are not alone that we have family and friends who take care of us, and that God will ultimately it will be taking care of us will be supporting us will be helping us at this particular time and as I mentioned earlier, our kids doesn't want us to go outside, you know they just they yeah. tell them, Whatever you need, tell us, and we'll bring it to your door. You know, but yeah. so we're blessed, and we need to uh, help people to know that they are not alone. That we are in this together, and we'll be praying for them. We can lift them up in prayer. We can send them a lot of text messages. You know, with right. uh, <laughs> words of the scripture, and you know, yeah, so many different ways that we right. can be supportive to each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting, because I'm so grateful for technology, and I'm, and I'm overwhelmed by it, (laughs) you know, I mean, it can, it can kind of be, you know, it's like, I was thinking last night, as I was going to bed, about, there were several text messages that I hadn't been able to respond to, just because of dealing with other things, and all that, And, and, you know, so I'll It's like, okay, it's just like with email, I can respond, you know, when I have time and that kind of thing. And it's, that's a wonderful problem, of course, to have. And I, what I've been trying to do with my lighting of the candles and all of that is really Mm -hmm. go through the people I know and think, okay, who do I need to check on today? Um, because you know I mean it feels wonderful to be checked on by my family by my loved ones by my friends and so I want to be able to extend that to others as well and I try to think about that within our academy community you know who who do we need to reach out to today Um, how can that be part of the work now uh, in this very different time Uh, so yeah so I've kind of but yeah I mean it's like Johnny and I were laughing about kind of having Zoom fatigue. <laughs> you know, there were like, you know, all these, you know, all these like Zoom meetings. You know, it's like okay, and and so grateful, because I can see right now, and you can see mine, and I'm yeah. able to FaceTime with my parents who are in Texas, and uh, you know, other other dear dear friends and loved ones, and connecting with academy teams and all of that. So, so that's a beautiful beautiful word I wonder if just as we kind of wrap up if you have a scripture or a prayer a blessing that you might share with us one that's keeping sure. you did, uh, I'm just offering us that word what do you have for us
1: uh, well you know as I mentioned earlier scripture and music are two of my tenets in terms mm. of my spirituality i, I you know, I I love both, and I've been thinking this day and reading Psalm ninety one, uh, because I there are some words and it's a message there that is good to me, and I think that it could be good to to many people. Uh, for example, words like "God is my refuge, my fortress," or "Under God's wings you will find refuge." Uh, words like because you have made the Lord your refuge no evil shall befall you. You know, these words surely brings hope and peace to me, and I think that it could bring uh, peace to others that we are, going, we are all going through this time of you know, uncertainty and anxiety and, you know, that brings so much anxiety. But I think that we need to, again, remind ourselves. I think that we need to anchor on scripture, this is a good time to read those psalms and, and, you know, because I learned these psalms in my childhood years and they were repeated to me by my parents and my grandmother. When I read those words in the language of my soul, which mm-hmm. is Spanish, they uh, make such a beautiful poem to me, you know. Uh, they made such, so much sense uh, because they remind me of my ancestors and their many trials. and the tribulations that they suffer and that they wrestle with but how they trusted in God almighty and how God delivered them and because of that I'm reminded of such that such promises are for me too so I need to I need to take them and I need to own them make them mine now so I I read always scripture in both languages because it it, it means so much different to me, you know. It's, yeah, I good. I understand the English language, and I, but when I read it in Spanish, it speaks straight to my soul, and that's why, you know. Beautiful. But I, I would like to offer a, a blessing that is very known by all everybody I'm ashamed, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a blessing that is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. Uh May the Lord bless you and take good care of you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. And now in Spanish, Que Jehová te bendiga y te guarde. Jehová haga resplandecer su rostro sobre ti. Tenga de ti misericordia. Jehovah, alce a ti su rostro, y ponga en ti paz. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Victor, for joining us. It's so very good to see your face and, of course, to hear your voice. And we are better because you are a part of us.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I truly enjoy it.
0: Well, be well. Take care. Okay. Stay safe. We will. We will. You too. Thanks for listening along with us today. We recognize that having a podcast is one thing and having folks who listen and engage with it is entirely another. So we're grateful you're here, you're listening, you're journeying, you're engaging. The Academy and all of its offerings exist because of you. Feel free to share this podcast with others. May it be a balm, a prayer, a guide, an inspiration, a beacon of hope in your daily lives. to hear more from faculty and wisdom guides in the area of spiritual formation join us at the next five-day or two-year academy for more information visit academy.upperroom.org